What is up, Wolfpack? Thanks for tuning in to another Pack Center exclusive interview. I'm your host, Jordan Burns, here with my co-host, Garrett Hirschberg, and of course, our special guest, killer on the court, <laughs> T. Mo. T, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. So, this Wolfpack team had an incredible run at the end of the season. Was there any extra motivation heading into the Mountain West Tournament? Um, I think just not one, wanting the season to end. We all wanted to continue playing, so that's what it came down to, just doing what we can to fight to win. You went off during the Mountain West Tournament. What was different between your play during the tournament and the regular season? Um, I think I was more aggressive, you know, going to the basket, getting to the hoop, things like that. And like I said, I didn't want the season to end. You know, I've been here for a while, and I didn't want it all to go away. How did you change personally, like, going into I mean, you said you, you got aggressive, but – what was the mindset going into the Mountain West tournament? I mean, do what you got to do to win, take over. If that's what it, if that's what it takes, I'm going to do it. Overall, the whole team, like, did they ha- they all have that that same mentality too? Were you one of the leaders out there like firing everybody up? Yeah, definitely. And I think um going into the tournament, we've lost so many close games that we knew we could win and it's like tournament time. We know we can get these wins. Now, how did it feel once you got to the tournament to play back-to-back-to-back nights? Like, was it, like, just overall tiring? Uh, Physically, yeah, but I think um, our adrenaline took over, and we really just had a lot of heart coming into it. Your new coach, she seems to have really turned this team around. What, What specifically did she do this season that really motivated you and maybe even the rest of the team? Um, she got us in shape, that's for sure. She took physical conditioning to heart, and she got us in shape. We did a lot of running, a lot of preparing in that aspect, and she's very competitive, so she just wanted us to fight in every game. That's one right out of Coach Muss's playbook, too. He does that with the men's basketball team. We had Jordan Caroline on last week, and he was saying that like every single season, it seems like the summer gets harder and harder. Right, yeah. This was definitely my hardest summer over my six years. So, so before Coach Levin stepped in, like, was there not really like was conditioning not really a big factor? Um, I mean, we did conditioning, but it wasn't to the extreme that Amanda goes to. Like we, it seems outrageous the things that we were doing, and everybody on the team was like, "She's crazy!" Like we're never gonna make this time. We're never gonna finish this. And she pushed us until we did make those times, whether or not we believed we could. You, you guys said that she was crazy for making you do this. Now what do you think about it? <laughs> I still think it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure those that have to do it again this summer are probably thinking the same thing. Do, do you think it's worth it, though? Do you think that it really paid off? Definitely. We were able to, like he was saying, we were able to play back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. And, you know, I think our physical conditioning had a big part to do with that. How hard – you talked about the Mountain West Tournament. How hard it is? How hard is it to prep when you don't know who you're going to be playing in the next game? Uh, I mean, shout out to our coaches. Uh, they prepared whether it was one team or the next. They had scouting reports on each team, and they were prepared. Um, so I don't think it really mattered. And for us, we, like I said, we were in every game this season. So coming into the tournament, we weren't scared of anything. Did those close losses help prepare you for the end of the season slash tournament? Definitely, because like I said, it, it built the confidence knowing that we can beat them. And um, being in those close games taught us how to stay composed. So when we got to the tournament and we were playing in overtime games, we were able to stay composed and take over. Talk about what it's like to lose a close game like that. I think that a lot of people who aren't necessarily athletes don't know what it's, like, how devastating it is to, to lose in something that you think that you could have won. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I It hurts the same still today, and it sucks to even think about. And at the time, um, in the heat of the game, it was my player that went and shot the ball, last second shot or whatever, and she missed. So I'm thinking, we're going to overtime. We won three overtime games before this. Like, we're good. And all of a sudden, I turn around, and the buzzer goes off, and I see the ball going through the hoop. And I, like, everything in me just, like, deflated. I just could not believe it. And, like, I stood there for a second, and they're running through the court. They're cheering, and I'm like, there's no way. Like, we should be in overtime right now. And, I mean, it doesn't get easier every day, so. This was obviously in reference to the Boise State game, right? Right. A couple questions. I I was there, at, but why was um, Tej not on the court during during that final last stretch? Uh, that's a Amanda Levin's question. I'm not the coach. Uh, I just do what I'm told, and. I really don't know. So thought, thought you might have some answers on that one. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think that's something that we're all kind of wondering is um, what was the thought process behind it? Maybe you had a little bit of behind-the-scenes action there. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, that UConn game. I think that was kind of a big shock that you guys were going to be playing against number one UConn. Uh, what's it like preparing against the number one team in the nation? Um, you know, like I think people go into it scared or thought we were going to be scared or something like that, but it's like – we had nothing to lose. We're playing the number one team in the nation who's undefeated. Like, what's the worst that can happen? We lose? Every other team is doing that. So I think we really just went into that game wanting to play together and wanting to have fun and kind of put up a fight, and which I think we did. So there wasn't a lot of nerves going into it? You kind of just went in and were like, you know, play your heart out and see what happens? Definitely. I think it was more um, a free game for us because we knew there's nothing to lose. There's no pressure on us. Was it a, was it one of those games where you could actually kind of learn something from the other team? Did you take did you have any like big takeaways from that game? Man, they're so much. They're so good. They're so big and athletic and smart in every position. Their bench doesn't change. I mean, they're just a tough team. From a player's perspective, what was it like uh, ha- seeing that there were like seven thousand people there, the largest uh, crowd for a women's game in the state of Nevada? Um, it was fun, to, and, like, after the game, I'm getting messages saying that they saw us on TV and stuff, and, I mean, it's really a blessing. So whether or not we put up a fight or it was a bad showing or anything, like, it was fun, and not many people can say that they did that. Uh, the team uh, suffered a heartbreaking loss in the Mountain West title game. What were your immediate thoughts following the tip the tip in by Boise? I mean, we talked a little bit about that, I guess, Right, right. Were you were after that game uh, and coming into like the selection show? Were you was there any doubt that you guys would not be playing postseason basketball? Um, no, we were told a couple weeks before that if we finished five hundred or above, like we would probably p- be playing in the postseason. And getting those wins earlier in the Mountain West tournament gave us that record that we needed. So there was a little bit of hope, and I don't think we were finished just yet. Were you still surprised to get brought in? Was it still? exciting when you guys heard that you guys were going into the postseason? I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, It wasn't the position we wanted to be in. Obviously, we wanted to be in Boise State's position with that um, win. But, I mean, there's not – not every team can say that they're playing in the postseason. And to be able to still be playing in March like we did, like, it was truly a blessing. When when you – in the WBI, you matched up in the second round against Fresno State. I bet there was a lot of familiarity there because you you play each other so much. Like, was that like a shocker to not only you but the team to face off against someone who's in your same conference? Yeah, and I think going into it, we were like, man, this kind of sucks. Not in the fact that we have to play Fresno, but just like another Mountain West school. We wanted to see a new opponent, and 
before the game, I was a little nervous because I didn't want people on our team to feel that it was just another Mountain West game, like, oh, we're playing Fresno. So there was a lot of, like, internal motivation that needed to go on that it was a postseason game and we needed the win. Who was really the one to motivate you guys to really move past it? Was it you? Was it uh, Levins? How did you guys get that motivation to, to accept the fact that you're going to be playing another Mountain West team? Um, I think it was internal with our team. Um, I'm sure the coaching staff felt the same way, but as far as the spoken word of it, it was us as a team. Being from California, coming to school in Nevada, what was it like? I know you guys lost to it was Central Arkansas. What was it like making that, tr- that trip out there? It was miserable. I mean, we flew into Dallas, and then we drove all the way out to Arkansas, and that was a terrible bus ride. And I don't – I mean, I didn't know much about Arkansas before, but when you get there, there's not much to know about Arkansas. It was pretty dead and ugly, but it was a long trip to get out there, and one for the books, I guess. Yeah, they say that the Mountain West region is one of the hardest places to kind of travel between and then out of. Do you feel that way? Um, I mean, I feel like we're at a disadvantage because when we head to places on it, um, the mountain time zone, we do lose an hour, whereas when they're coming here, they gain an hour. So for the earlier games, I feel like that does affect us because that means our shoot-arounds earlier, our pregame meals earlier. Everything is pushed back earlier than what we're used to. It's, it's, it's been said that playing in Wyoming is tough because of the altitude. How difficult is it? Is it? Um, I mean, I think it's more of a mental thing, and they hype it up so much. It's in their introduction video. It's all over their walls, everything. And, I mean, I'm sure it does play a difference, but the mental aspect of it and how they get in your head is actually what is more difficult. What is the hardest place to play in the Mountain West? Uh, For me, I would say the pit. They're, um, you know, they're always crowded every year, and their fans get into it. (laughs) Do you know what the pit is? No, I don't know what the pit is. New New Mexico. Mexico, okay. As someone who has suffered like multiple season-ending injuries, what kept you determined to come back and improve the next season after the next season? Um, <clears throat> that's actually a difficult question because there were times where I thought I would hang it up and I didn't know it was like a day-by-day thing. Like, I can't make it through today. Rehab was so hard. I'm never going to play again. The next day I'm like, I can do this. Like, it was a day-by-day thing. And, I mean, just my love for the game, my passion for the game, I didn't want to go out not – playing like I wanted to go out you know no regrets just balling out and so I had to come back take us through some of those days where it, it was just hard to, to to imagine getting back on the court definitely um for me not necessarily the physical pain like yes that is one thing but I can embrace physical pain but when you're on the sideline relearning how to walk and you look at your team and they're practicing and you're literally re- relearning how to walk it's Mentally, it's so devastating. You just want to be out there, and it comes like down to internal motivation and that mental toughness to be able to get through it. Now, what about that first day back in practice, that first day tying up the shoes and getting on the court and dribbling a basketball? What is that like? Uh, it is so nervous, and um, coming back from three ACLs, it's kind of like you are almost timid because you don't want it to happen again. But when you play timid, that's when it will happen again. So learning how to just be free and not think about your knee while you're playing is definitely tough. But, I mean, I would just say nerves, yeah. A lot of nerves going into it. How, how long did it take you to uh, finally adjust and just play freely after after the last uh, surgery? Um, I think it came just this year. I mean, 
Last year, I played the whole season after my previous ACL, but I didn't feel I was the same player. I wasn't as aggressive. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't playing my game. And that whole year, it wasn't a waste, but it took a lot of time to get back to where I am now. And now you're you're completely confident with your knee. You have no real issues with it. Definitely. You tore it up in the Mountain West tournament, but what's next for you and your playing career? Um, you know, I really went back and forth. I I wanted to play, but then I'm like, my knees, not that I'm scared, but like if something does happen, you're overseas, you're going to be shipped out. Like, I didn't really know. So I wanted to play and then I didn't. And I just wanted to get a job here. But just recently, I had an agent reach out to me and ask for game film. So I'm going to try to get that to him and see where it goes. But if it's not the perfect fit for me, like if they're not going to have good medical treatment or they're not going to have a good pay or anything like that, I'm not taking it. So what's the backup plan if basketball doesn't work out? I'm just going to stay here in Reno and uh, work with kids at risk. Um, I don't know where at yet, but I want to work with kids. Is that what you're studying in school? Um, yeah, I just finished my master's in educational leadership. Oh, great. So you really want to like give back to the community almost, right, and help people. Is there any reason why you picked that uh, route? Um, growing up, um, I had a my AAU coach, he... Uh, that was basically his thing we had in the Mission District. Uh, it was called Mission Rec Center. And he started a program to get girls off of the streets in the Mission, like spend your time playing basketball instead. And that really just opened up so many doors. I mean, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here, you know, getting my scholarship or whatever. So I think um, just giving back to the youth is a big thing to me because they are the future. So, Do you see you yourself incorporating basketball into your life later on, even if it's working with kids and maybe starting up um, like a basketball camp similar to like what you had as a kid? Yeah, um, that's a long stretch down the road. Just right now, I wouldn't be ready for that, but definitely I would keep that in mind. So getting back to this past season, what was what was the coaching transition like uh, when, when Coach Levins, when you first heard Coach Levins was uh, getting hired? Um, I mean, personally for me, I played for Jane and her staff for five years. And change is hard. That That's all I could put it as. Change is hard, and especially when not only the people are changing, but the culture, their personalities, the way they go about things, everything was changing. And, you know, it's easier for the underclassmen who only played for Jane for one year or two years. But when you've been here for five years, it's been ingrained certain things. And um, Amanda coming in just, it was like the, the rug got pulled from under my feet. Everything was brand new. And I had a difficult time with it, but eventually I caught on. Do you still keep in contact with Jane? Definitely. I actually just went to lunch with her yesterday. <laughs> so what what do you think this what do you think the ceiling is for this with for Coach Levins and this Wolfpack team? Uh I don't think there is a ceiling. They can do what they want to do. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. She's she's gonna bring in players, she's building them up and I think um, you know, what she was able to do as in terms of basketball this year in such a short term um turnaround being able to build a program, she's going to get a lot of W's. Seeing that Nevada Nevada's losing a good amount of people due to graduation and whatnot, who is a player to watch out for next season? Um, I think A.J. Cephas, you know, towards the end, she um, she wasn't playing her game, but she was playing with torn ligaments in her thumb, so she had surgery, and she's going to get that fixed up, and I think she's a great athlete. Um, I think Jade Redman and Kamaria King are also going to do well. So I think we're at the, the point in our show where we like to kind of get to know the players more outside of basketball. I mean, 
and kind of just figure out like who you are as a person and kind of give people an idea that that there is that that draw between student athlete and it's not they're not all athletes they're people too so tell us a little bit of something that you'd want like the fans to know about you um I mean, like I said, I love kids, so like I do a lot of volunteer work at local schools, hanging out with kids. Um, I found my home here in Reno. I just recently bought a house in Sparks with my fiance. I'll be getting married in August. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what else? I don't know. What else would you like to know? You got a lot of tattoos up your arm, it seems like. Any, any tattoos that, that stand out to you that have a special story behind them? Um, well, everything on my right sleeve, I guess, is faith-based. So they're all have some something to do with my faith and religion within Jesus and being a Christian. So that's pretty cool. Um, earlier when I talked about my coach that uh, was in the mission district, I have a tattoo right above my heart. Um, he passed away my junior year of high school. And there's a flower with like petals falling off. And it says tears and heartache are nothing compared to the love and memories we once shared. So that's a special one for sure. So you're one of those people that likes to really commemorate special things on your body with tattoos? Um, definitely. I think um, they're, they're a way of expressing yourself. And, you know, people might not agree with them or whatever, but it's like if you sit down and really ask somebody about their tattoos and their meaning, you can learn a lot about them. Now, you, mentioned, you keep mentioning the, the right side of your arm. Do you not have anything on your left? Um, I have a couple. I have um, love written on it, but the O is a cancer ribbon. Um, my coach passed away from cancer. My mom fought breast cancer. She's a survivor. Um, I also have one on my wrist that says let it go, and it's just a reminder, you know, you can't get caught up in things. Just let it go. And then I also have a project semicolon um, tattoo, and that's a faith-based um, organization that brings awareness to self-harm and suicide. Wow. So... You talk a little bit, so, I mean, we can go on forever about these tattoos, it seems like. I mean, you can pretty much have your whole story written out uh, on your body. You you mentioned you have a lot of that are faith-based. How, how uh, deep-rooted is your faith? Um, so, actually, I was not religious, faithful, whatever, at all coming into this. And after my first ACL tear my freshman year, um, I was just surrounded by so much love. And everyone's like, you know, like, not that you know, everything happens for a reason. It does. But at the same time, like you need to figure out what that reason was or is. And that was the first time in my life basketball has been taken away from me. And I'm like, how do you make it this far? And now you're not playing, you know? And I just explored going to FCA and different Bible studies and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Like, this is a humbling experience. Like I need to focus on, I made basketball bigger than Jesus. Basketball was my life. And, you know, he took that away until I focused on him. And so that's really where my faith started. And ever since then, it's carried out. And now after this season, do you think that you made the right decision and that your faith really did kind of heighten you to be at a level that you are, that you were this year? I mean, definitely. I've gone through six different knee surgeries in my six years here, three of them being um, season ending. And not many people can go through that, and that's all God. Like, people, people. I, I mean, take it for what it is. Some people might think I'm crazy, but that, that's him. There has to be some thought, be like, coming back after not not one, but two, not but three, three ACLA. I, I feel like after, like, a certain point, like, your friends and family just, like, to, decided, decided to hang, told you to hang it up because not risking another injury. injury. How do you fight through that like ad adversity um definitely I've had people tell me that like I'm not even going to be able to walk down the aisle when I get married because of my knees but I mean my love for the game is just so 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 strong and 
knowing that I go into these schools and volunteer with these kids and they're watching my every move, like, and I'm showing them they can persevere through anything. I mean, that's, I just want to, I want someone to look up to me and be, be able to be like, I can do it because I saw her do it. Do you think that you have become that person? Is there anyone that really looks up to you on the team, you think? On the team? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know about on the team. I mean, they all say they like admire my strength and courage to get through it all, you know? And I just want to be a great example to anyone looking at me, whether they're my teammates, their kids, they're our fans, our boosters, whatever it is. Like, I want to be a positive uh, image for them. And you mentioned getting married. You want to talk a little bit about that, too? <laughs> that sounds like a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, I met my fiance six years ago, her freshman year, and he was actually one of our practice players on the team. And uh, I mean, complete opposite of me. Uh, good, like, not good, but he's from Reno, you know. He's pretty innocent and stuff. And me being from the Bay, I've seen a lot of things, been through a lot of things. And I don't know how it worked, but we're <laughs> we're working out. And um, we've been dating ever since my sophomore year. Uh, we got engaged last July. Wedding coming up in August in South Lake Tahoe, right on the beach. So it'll be pretty nice. Wow, it sounds awesome. I mean... What an incredible year you've had, I mean, getting engaged, um, getting that far in, in the tournament and postseason. I mean, you, you must be overjoyed. Uh, definitely. Um, it all comes with, you know, the trials and tribulations as well and, you know, a lot of changes and things like that. But, I mean, there's always a bright side to everything. Once you're done or once you finished your master's, uh, are you st- – this coming se- this upcoming season, are you gonna have like an impact? Like, are you gonna like come talk to the team, or are you gonna try to like uh, take a stand? Like, not take a stand, but like uh, still have as your watch as up. a fan. Um, you know, whether I'm coming to t- speak to the team or not is up to Amanda. But I'll definitely be in the stands. You know, those are my teammates still, and I'm still part of what they're doing, the culture they brought, and I'm gonna be there supporting them and watching every game. Overall, in your career here at Nevada, what do you think you've brought away from your experience as a basketball player to your, I mean, to your character, I guess? What do you think that, how, how Nevada basketball has helped you grow? Man, I can't even explain the growth that I've had over these years. And I would say it's all due to Jane. Um, you know, like I said before, basketball was my whole life. Like, I did not care about anyone, anything. I was just like, I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to do what I can. And, you know, she really showed me that, like, relationships matter. People matter. Like, you, you're you playing at Nevada, and there's a whole community of people that are looking at you. You need to show them that you care. And, I mean, that's really what got me into serving at the schools, helping them out, donating. I've donated probably over, over 30 pairs of my basketball shoes to kids around here, um, going to serve at the homeless shelter, like, whatever it is. Like, people matter. And it's not just about basketball. You mentioned basketball shoes, and I know I knew sne- he was going to go there. Sne- <laughs> sneaker culture is very big for basketball players. What's your favorite shoe to hoop in? Uh, definitely some um, Kobe's, but you know it depends. This year they got us some like team Kobe's. I wasn't feeling them or anything like that. Um, I would say for sure some Kobe's. Probably the Kobe uh, sevens were my favorite. Yeah. Because we were talking with Jordan Caroline, and he only hoops in Jordans. Right. Yeah. He gets that option. Amanda didn't give us that option. We had to wear some team shoes this year. So you have to wear team shoes? Yeah. In, in your personal life, what, what do you usually wear for shoes then? Uh, I have so many. I probably have over 50 pairs of Jordans. I have Air Maxes. I have also have Vans, Converse, Janoskis. Uh, Anything coveted in that shoe collection? In that uh, shoe collection? Um. I mean, I used to be a really, really big sneakerhead where I, like, 
took care of these babies and whatever. But now that I, you know, have somebody else to think about, and I'm engaged and stuff. You know, a lot of my money isn't going there, but I'm. I don't really know. Uh, I say my cool gray 11s. Uh, those go back in the day. You know, they're originals and I take care of those. So those cool gray 11s are your biggest prize out of the out of your shoe collection? I would say yes, just because that's before all the hype beasts came and uh, started claiming every every Jordan that came out, you know. That was before. There's not many people that can really say they have the original cool grays. Do, Which, they, do they ever make it out the box? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but they get put back in the box and they're cleaned with baby wipes and restuffed with the paper <laughs> after I'm wearing them. Now, did you ever uh, play in any Jordans this year and you didn't have that opportunity. You no, know, yeah, we didn't have that opportunity, so no. Do you get to practice in, in whatever sh- shoes you want, or is it uh, team shoes all season? Um, In the beginning, it was team shoes all season, but then we, like, slowly kind of started wearing our own shoes, so I snuck some Kobe's in there from time to time, some Kyrie's, some KD's, you know. As a basketball player, who, who, do you, who did you model your game after? Man. I can't even... I mean, if you guys are speaking as far as the WNBA, uh, I'm I was, just talking about basketball in general. So you can span, you can span back eras to like the <laughs> 1950s. I'm just talking about basketball in general. For sure, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if everyone knows her, but uh, Lindsey Whalen, she plays for the Minnesota Lynx. Um, she's a point guard, but she gets to the hoop, and she's a scoring point guard. So, I mean. That's uh, different in the game, you know. A lot of traditional point guards out there pass first and stuff, and she's definitely a hooper. Did you always have, like, this scorer's mentality? Definitely. Um, I was, yeah, put the ball in my hands type of person. Are you a Warriors fan? Definitely. That's the only team I root for, Warriors, Giants, and Niners. That's it. I'm from the Bay Area, too, so I, I understand, like, hometown teams are, are where it's at. Um I don't know where I was going with that. I, <laughs> I, I just kind of started that going off because you talked talk about um, if you if you could meet any basketball player in history, who who would it be? Who do you Ste- think? Steph would, Curry. Steph it doesn't Curry. even matter like that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, that was a fast yeah, answer. Yeah, I'm like obsessed with Steph Curry. He, he was all over my locker. I had his Wheaties box above my locker. Um, <laughs> my fiance made me take posters down, but I had posters like above our bed of Steph Curry and stuff. But you know. <laughs> um, the future husband, future <laughs> hubby is getting a little jealous of Steph Curry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I tell him Steph Curry's my baby daddy all the time, and I'm like, oh, look at him. And he he's not a fan. I, I don't see that being uh, too amusing. <laughs> I, I'm a big Steph Curry fan too. I mean, um, I'm I'm working with a, a company right now who's partners with Steph Curry, and I'm like hoping that I get to meet him one day. Oh yeah, you got to bring me in on that if that's the case. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll hit you up if I get to meet him. I'll be like, yo, come down <laughs> right We're now. Meet in Oakland right now. <laughs> I'll make the trip Stop for what sure. you're doing. So you you said you're from the Bay Area. Why'd you choose to play in Nevada? Ah, uh, Jane Albright. Um, you know, I quote unquote had a bad attitude coming out of high school and things of such and everyone was concerned about that, but with her she took the chance on me and you know, she um she was very loyal and genuine. Um a lot of times the recruiting process can be difficult and let's say I have one scholarship. I'm offering it to both of you guys. Whoever takes it first is the one that gets it. With Jane, it's like, there's two of you. I only have one scholarship. I'm going to offer it to you first. You tell me yes or no. If you tell me no, then I'll offer it to you. So it's she's very loyal, and she'll, she'll sit on that. And, you know, like I took that to heart because it's like she offered me, and I was able to explore other options knowing that she wasn't going to do me dirty and say someone else took that scholarship. Was there any close second schools that you had to make a decision on? Oh, I don't know if I want to admit that, but Fresno State, 
Fresno State was definitely, yeah, they were up there. And Jane Albright sold you on Nevada. Yeah, definitely. And I had a teammate who um, I went on a visit with at Fresno State, and we were like, if we want to play together, like this is the, this is the spot. But um, she ended up going to Texas Tech, and I came here, so we went our separate ways. Yeah, Texas Tech is a much bigger school than Fresno, <laughs> Fresno State. Right. But um, with Nevada hanging up banners for postseason for postseason appearances, what is what's it going to be like uh, when you come back next season for their first game to see them uh, unveil another banner in Lawler? Um, you know, that's going to be really special. I've been here for a long time, and that hasn't happened. So to be able to say that I was part of the team that did that first in a yeah, while is really special. so much for joining us on the show, T-Mail. This has been an incredible uh, exclusive player interview, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. And I, I will call you if I get to meet Steph Curry for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.